Turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. How's everybody doing this morning? How many people are blessed? How many people are born again? How many people are born again? So the rest of you are not born again. How many people are going to heaven? So the rest of you are not going to <laughs> I know this is going to sound weird, but it's something I need to say. This is the message today. Amen. The presence of God is awesome. Amen. The spirit of the Lord, when he moves, it, it just, it does something to our spirit. Just. Man, it, it takes us to a place that we wish we didn't have to come back. Amen. But I'm here to tell you real quick, turn to your neighbor real quick. The other neighbor, the neighbor behind you, the neighbor with the hair, the neighbor with no hair. The small neighbor, the big neighbor, whatever neighbor, just turn to somebody. Do you know the person you're sitting next to is eventually going to die? And you're like, why would you bring that up? We were like in a good mood. Because Peter talks about it. You see, when Peter was following Jesus... He had this courage that, you know what, no matter what, I will never deny you. I will never leave you, and this group over here will deny you, and some of them look like over here they will deny you, and a couple guys maybe not, but I know for sure that I won't deny you. And when it was time to speak up, he denied him. That courage somehow, because, because when you're faced with death, things change. And I know a lot of times when people say, well, death, death is a natural thing. No, it's not. God didn't create me just to die. When God handpicked me, he didn't say, I create you to die. If that was the case, then I should have never been born. Death is not a natural thing. Sin happened, so death happened. And so it was, it was Peter's turn to, to stand up for what, you know, he said he was going to stand up. Jesus never said, hey, Peter, when, I, when they come after me, you stand up and you make sure that you don't deny me. He looked at Peter and says, listen, Peter, Simon, shifting sand, you're going to deny me three times. Well, he denies him and Jesus goes to restore him and Jesus restores him. And he tells him something special. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes. And he says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He goes, yes. He goes, tend my lambs. And he, he asked him again. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, listen, I'm getting frustrated. That's, that's already twice you've asked me the question. And he says, yes, you know all things. That was the key that he was looking for. God knows all things. Amen. God knows when you were born and God knows when you're going to die. And he says, Peter, exactly what I needed to hear from you. And he says, Peter, let me tell you something. When you were young, you did ever what you, whatever you wanted. And nobody did anything to you. He says, but Peter, there's going to come in a day where they're going to get you. 
They're going to take you and they're going to stretch you and they're going to kill you. And so in first Peter, Peter begins to warn them. He says, listen, we are chosen. Uh, uh, we were rejected by man, but chosen by the father. He begins to, to tell them, hey, they're coming. We're, we're going to die. He says, whatever happens, whatever happens when they come after us, let us not fight each other. If they're going to come after us, let us not beat each other up. Let us let us make sure our marriages are good, our children are okay, our families are okay, our church is okay. And he says, listen, they're coming, and guess what? They came. The enemy came to destroy the church. He began to kill Christians left and right, and, and they would do some awful, awful things. And, and, you know, all of a sudden they begin to say, you know, this isn't working because every time we kill a Christian, every time a seed dies, a harvest comes. And so, so if I can't beat them, I'll join them. And so he came in with false doctrine. And Peter, guess what? Somehow, some way, he did he wasn't martyred because obviously we're reading part two. And so the enemy comes in and he brings in fake doctrine. He comes in and he and he bring, he makes it more he, he makes it more spiritual than it really is. He says, I look for those who worship me in spirit and truth. Amen. Amen. But you're also human beings. You can worship God just as much as in here as you do at, at work. Or at school. Amen. Or in your car. Church is not just a physical building. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And so he begins to warn Peter. He says, Peter, listen, this is great. This is, this is awesome. Now, Peter, you're going to die. And I want you to warn them that they're coming. And not just coming with the physical, but they're coming with heresy, and they're coming with false prophecy, and they're coming with all these things that, are, that I never told you about, Peter. And so you need to watch out for false doctrine. And nothing's changed. Guess what? We're, in the United States, there's not too many people getting martyred for their beliefs. When's the last time you heard somebody get killed because they're a Christian in the United States? Hasn't happened, right? But you know what has happened? The devil says, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. The church says, if we can't beat the world, we'll join the world. And we'll bring in their doctrine. Did God really say that it's, you know, it's a marriage between a male and a female? Did God really say these things? Or does, is God's word really truth? Is God's this? Is God that? And you know what? What happens is we begin to listen and say, you know what? We don't want to fight the world. We want to win the world over. But listen, the only way you're going to win the world over is being more like Christ. Paul was all things to all the... Paul thinks it was all things to all men so he could win over some. Listen, he, he, if it was a sports, he was in sports. If it was this, he was that. But he never participated in their nonsense. He never stopped believing what the truth was. And so we, talk, we start right here. It says, for this reason, I will not neglect to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent. So I'm say tent to stir you up and reminding you, knowing shortly, someone say shortly, I must put off this tent. 
And he says, as much as I want to be with you and as much as I want to teach you and as much as I, I want to continue to disciple you and as much as I want to show you what Jesus showed me, I wish I could stay with you longer, but my time is about to come. And he knew it because Peter, because Jesus told him. And you know what? You know, the crazy thing is when Jesus told him, he didn't believe it. He says, what about John? You know, why are you letting John, you know, have a couple more years than me? And he says, listen, don't worry about John. Worry about yourself. You have your own work to do. Don't worry when your neighbor's going to die. Because only God knows. On Wednesday, we had a, a woman came and did a testimony, and her testimony was powerful. And it was, you know, and it was great. But the crazy thing is, you know, there's a picture where she showed herself, where, where she shot herself in the face, and, and it was really graphic, and it was this. And people were saying, oh, my God, how did she survive? You know why she survived? Not only because it wasn't her time. The Bible says there's a point in a time and a day when man must die. And that day was going to happen. Like it or not, guess what? Your neighbor's going to die. When is that going to happen? I'm so worried about her. Listen, don't worry about her. You keep yourself saved. Work out your salvation. Oh, my grandma, she's like X amount of years, she's going to die. Listen, I've known people who, who live to be 100 years old and why other people only live to be 12. You don't know when grandma's going to die, our brother is going to die, our sister's going to die. I do know one thing, we're all going to die. I just read an article that the oldest woman that was living, 116 years old, died. 116 years old. She was 116 years old. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's old. But the crazy thing is, guess what? She died. And every single one of you are going to See, we don't want to talk about death in church. We want to talk about life. Speak life so I can live. I'll speak Jesus so when you do die, you can live. And he says, I must put off this tent. What is this tent? What is he talking about, this tent? This tabernacle, this, this, this temple, this, this tent, this, what is he talking about? This physical body. Believe it or not, you know what? You're not getting any younger. Hey, have you ever woke up and said, I'm getting younger? Your hair doesn't look like you're getting younger. Your body doesn't look like your body, your, you know, the way you feel. You're not getting any younger. You're getting older. And every single day you wake up is a day closer to Jesus. This tent is not going to last forever because of sin. Sin has destroyed this tent. Sin has destroyed this tent. The Amalekites that we never destroyed, destroyed us. Amen. How many people have a house that you own? If you own it, check for termites. Because if termites come, your house is worthless. Get it tented. Get it. Get get those termites out of there. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's cost six hundred dollars. Well, is your house worth more than six hundred dollars? How many people have a physical body? Get rid of, terminate those, those sins. Come on, get rid of those sins. Tent your house and get rid of those sins. Because your house is worth more than anything. And that sin that you allowed to live in, those little Amalekites will come back and bite you later. This is why he said, get rid of the Jebusites, the Micahites, the Echazites, the Ezraites. Jesus, know, God knew what he was doing, amen? 
He says, you either get rid of them or they get rid of you. This tent, someone say tent. It's not going to last. Just not. As much as I love my wife, one day she's going to go and I might go before her. As much as I love my kids, as much as I love my parents, I already lost my mother. As great as a Christian she was, did not keep her physically alive. And so what Peter is saying, listen, I can't be with you forever, but I'm going to leave my word with you. I'm going to leave you this example. He says, for this reason, I got to remind you to, to keep telling you and reminding you and keep telling you, reminding you. How many people ever tell your children something? Anybody ever tell your children, you're looking at them like, do you understand English? Has that ever happened to you? Anybody over here? This morning, it happened to me. I told my son, okay, he, he's an MMA fighter. And anybody know anything about MMA fighters or boxing? You put gloves on, you put wraps on, you put this stuff on, and, and you sweat, you stink. Man, remember man, Jen was talking about man smell? Women, anyways, men, men smell. So he has his, he has his bag in front, right? And I said, and, and. And, I, and he, I go, son, I bought you a gift. And he goes, yes. And he was all happy, right? I bought him some Lysol. No, Clorox, whatever, to kill every bacteria, everything that you could think of. I, he goes, this is what you bought me? He's all mad. I go, yes, I bought you this for your bag. Get your stuff out of your bag and spray all your equipment and leave it outside because this stuff is, I'm telling you, it smells the garage up. And the neighbor's looking at us like we, we didn't dump our trash. I mean, it's bad. So I go, get your stuff, spray it, and you know what? Leave it outside. And he goes, so he goes and he thinks he's slick. He's out there for two seconds. So he comes back in, and I totally forget that he was only out there for two seconds. So I'm walking out this morning. I go, hey, and I open his bag. I go, did you spray your bag? He goes, yes. And he's all arguing with me. I said, listen, I, didn't, I don't have to remind you. Hello? I don't have to remind you if you don't spray this stuff, you can get a bacteria. You can get ringworm. You can get staph. You can get all these things. Did you spray your stuff? Yes. So I opened his bag, and guess what? He has his same sweaty clothes. Because he does extra stuff, like he does, he does, he does uh, Muay Thai, then he does Jiu-Jitsu, so he takes his other outfit off, and he shoved it in there, and let me tell you something, he sprayed his bag on top of the bag. And I don't care if he's an MMA fighter, but he almost got dropped. And I say, how many times do I have to remind you? But yet, how many times do we do that with God? You think you can get away with you think you can get away with stuff because you do your little prayers? I'm gonna talk to the session over here. You, you think you can get away with stuff because you go, did you pray? Yes, I prayed. Until guess what? God, the Father, opens up the bag and find out what's really in there. And let me tell you something. That stuff is not good for you. Staph infection, and he had staph infection twice, by the way. Ringworm about 155 times, 0.3. And you're saying, oh, so why would you let him? Do? Because that's what he, he has a passion to do, but he needs to have a passion to take care of business. Hello. I mean, Lisa, you work at places. You probably see it all the time. But the crazy thing is what? Guess what? We think that we're getting away with our pssst. We sprayed the outside. Come on, somebody. But, but God sees what's in the inside. God, see, God sees what's in the real, what's really in your heart, what you're really hiding, what you really think. 
What you really think about your neighbor? What you really think about me? What you really think about life? Come on, somebody. What you really think? He begins to expose that because he loves you. He begins to discipline you and remind you because he loves you. And unlike me, God doesn't get tired to remind me. I get tired of reminding my son. Finally, I just finally said, you know what? You're not going to church. That's your discipline. What? Yeah, my kids were born in church. So for them to not to go to church, that's a discipline. Just ask Jacqueline, Justine, and all the, the boys back in the day, not now. But back in the day, it's like, you know what? You're in trouble. You're not going to church. They would cry. I want to go to church. Okay. You better act right. You're like, really? Ask Jennifer. It's truth. So I told Joaquin, you know what Joaquin did? He grabbed his blanket, started crying, and went underneath his blanket. You're like, he's 14. He saw you talking bad about him. I'm just telling you what the truth is. He wanted to come to church. Because he knew that he was wrong. But how many times do I have to remind you? And you know what Peter says? How many times do I have to remind you? How many times do I have to remind you? You know what he says? How many times do I remind you? And Jesus remi- reminded him how many times he had to remind Peter. Peter, how many times do I have to remind you? Peter, how many times do I have to tell you? Peter, how many times do I have to take your foot out of your mouth? But yet, Peter, what I'm doing to you, you will do it to others. I know you said that don't wash your feet, but Peter, I have to remind you why I'm washing your feet. Not only do they stink, Peter, hello, but I want you to help others because they stink too, Peter. Because they deal with stuff too, Peter. And eventually they're going to die, Peter. So that's what he says, this tent. Someone say this tent. And as long as I'm in this tent, I stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off this tent. And he keeps talking about this tent. It's the same tent that Paul was talking about. Turn to 2 Timoth- uh, Corinthians chapter 5. He says, for we know that if we are in this earthly house, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with the hands, eternal in heaven. For in this we grown earnest, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been born and clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be enclosed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us his spirit as a guarantee. So say his spirit as a guarantee. We've been sealed. That's important to understand. We've been signed up. Listen, somebody had to pay a price. Somebody had to pay the price so we could be sealed. It wasn't cheap. This seal cost Jesus his blood. We don't have to pay for our sins because we can never pay for our sins. Somebody had to pay for our sins. Somebody had to step up. Somebody had to represent us in court because we couldn't represent ourselves. I mean, there was, a st- there was a case against us. There was a case that Satan brings. He accuses of the brethren day and night. He brought the case, and he says, this is what I have against him. This is what he's done since he was 12 years old or, or since he was 10 years old, and this is what he's been doing, and this is what he's still doing, and this is what he's still doing. And all of a sudden, he goes, he goes bring that over to me, and he starts to bring that big case. Come on, somebody. Some of you know about cases. You have some friends that were, had some cases, or you have, you have had some cases, or you know what? Maybe you don't even know about it, but there's been a case against you. So he brings it to the judge, and Jesus goes, let me see that first. Because you know how many people know they have a right to see it before they bring it to the judge. He says, let me clean this up real quick. And he poured his blood over it. 
And so when the judge seen it, he says, I don't see anything but my son's blood. Case dismissed. Oh, somebody has to pay for that sin. Yes, my son paid for it. There's a reason why you're still here today. Because his, God's son paid for your sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life, church. He talks about eternal life. And if there was an eternal life, then he wouldn't have to pay a price. Someone say guaranteed. Keep going. So we are always confident. Someone say I'm confident. Knowing that while I'm in this home, in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For, to, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Someone say, thank God for that. I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm called those things that are not as if they were. There's certain people that are gonna, I see already here, they're not even physically here, but I see them here. I walk by faith and not sight. Thank God I don't walk by sight. Come on, somebody. Because sometimes our sight can, you know what, it's not clear. It's pretty, it's blind. It's not, it's not real. It's, it's almost like an illusion. It's not real. You know, I know that our bills say this, but my God says that. I know my marriage says this, but my God says that. I know my kids are acting this, but my God says that. I know what God, listen, I got some God vision, not no physical vision. Don't trust your eyes in the first place. Don't trust your eyes in the first place. My contacts fell off at night. So my contacts fell. I can't see anything without my contacts. I told you that already. So I come out of the shower and have a towel, and I look in the, like, in the mirror, and I see this, just a beard. A big old black beard. I'm like, that's like the picture I had at the, the DMV or something. And, it's like, and I'm looking, I'm like, and I start laughing. She goes, why are you laughing at me? I'm like. And I'm like, I don't even see you. That's all I see, this black beard. Just sure, yeah, whatever. I go, I, I, my contacts are off. Oh, okay, so I believe you now because she knows I can't see without my contacts. We walk by faith, church. Listen, we call those things that are not as if they are. You, some of you got some sons that are going to be here. Some of you got some daughters that are going to be here. Some of you got some, some friends that are going to be here. Some of, some of you, some of, come on, some of you don't, you just don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe. Listen, no, don't, don't say I don't believe. Say I do believe. I believe that God is bigger in my situation. And though I, listen, although I walk in the you know, flesh, I, 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 even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear no evil for he's with me. You know how I know God's with me? You want, you want me to tell you how a great reason why I know God is with me? Because I don't get away with nothing. Well, what does that mean? His rod and his staff always comfort me. How do I know God is good and, and that he's alive? Because his rod and his staff, they cover me. Every time I try to go this way, it's like this way. And every time I do something, this way. I'm like, oh. But you know why? Because he only disciplines the ones he loves. I love it when Christians say, some so-called Christians, I, man, I never get disciplined by God. Well, they just pray for a hedge of protection around me. I never get disciplined by God. Listen, I don't believe in spankings. This is what happened to this generation. Put them in timeout. Well, timeout leads to jail. A rod of correction leads to a different place. I don't believe in spankings. You know the problem was my dad never spanked me. He didn't believe in me either. As long as I kept playing sports and so good. 
Don't, don't let them wash dishes. Let them go catch a ball. Don't let them do this. Get them out there and play. Listen, he never spanked me. He never, listen, I, and, I, and oh, my dad, he must have loved you. No, listen, if he loved me, he would have beat me. Beat you? Yeah, he would have beat me out of doing drugs and beat me out of doing this. And, and come on, somebody. You don't look at me like, you know, like, oh. Oh, I know. I know. We're a soft generation. I'm sorry. It's politically incorrect to talk about spankings. Yeah, but yet our, our, our veterans who, who stormed the beach, come on, they stormed the beach and they lost their lives fighting for this country. Hello. And yet now we got 18-year-olds hiding saying, oh, don't talk to me that way because, you know, you're, you're, I might not grow up to be like, you know. But yet we had 18-year-olds storming the beach and protecting our, fa- our lives or protecting our families, going to these wars and doing their, what they had to do to protect us. And now we're trying to protect them. Oh, no, don't say that. You don't know. Maybe that's what he wants to be. Yeah, because you keep saying that. Like I said, if you don't beat them, they join them. Now that we're not beating them, we're trying to join the world. Let me tell you something. What God says is God says. Whether they take my pulpit and whether they take this building and whether they take my license or whatever they do, go ahead and take whatever they can't take away my Jesus. But we need to speak truth, church. And you know what? I'll tell you something. The reason why this church is not filled, I'll be honest with you, because we speak truth. If you, we start faking it and start saying, oh, yeah, everybody can come. Let's just, just all get along and let's just do this. and just that. You know, Let me tell you something. Peter said it was going to happen. It's happening now. False doctrine has gone into this. And people like those other churches go, yeah, I love this church. Why? Because I never get convicted. I feel great when I leave. It's like those one churches where you go and you just feel so, oh, my God, I feel so convicted. Well, maybe you should stop smoking crack. Oh, that's so politically incorrect to say that. Corporate just told me this morning. Don't worry, Pastor. What God has done for me, man, it, it changed my life. I stopped smoking crack. That's what he said. Didn't you say that? You know why I'm going to tell you the truth? Because I love you. You know why I was going to tell you the truth? Because you're going to die one day. And you know why I'm going to do this? Because Jesus said, Peter, what I do to you, do unto others. And guess what? Peter washed my feet one day through the scriptures. When I got called out of whatever, you know, work and at EDP, when I was working with Jen, the reason why I got called it, because you know what? The scripture, that same scripture, Peter, don't worry about anything. You follow me. But what about God? How am I going to do this? I got a month, a men that don't even, they're crazy. They, 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 they got that smell. They, they don't have no money. This yellow house, how is it supposed to get paid if I don't go to work? He says, listen, I'm the one that opened that house. Now the one that shut it if I have to shut it. But you know what? I called you. And you know what? The crazy thing is everybody's going to die. And we're going to have to answer before God. It says it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, please. Rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, there's nothing worse than doing a funeral when, when you know, we do funerals. Me and Pastor John do funerals sometimes. And I'm back here, and I'm listening, okay. So they, they, I think Randall was at one of the funerals where we did. So Randall sang a beautiful song. Got a couple pictures. So it was time for the, okay. So we opened the mic and said, now it's time. If anybody would like something to say, please come up and say it. And crickets. Finally, the son comes up and says, you know what? My mom was a hard worker, and she was a good woman. I had to come up and do a funeral. If you don't even want to talk about her, 
What are they going to do at your funeral? Because even if you turn 116 years old, you're still going to die. And Peter says, you know what? Even though I got away with all this stuff so far, and even though they haven't hurt me so far, guess what? I have to remind you, I'm going to die soon. I have to put off this tent. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim. Someone say, we make it our aim. Whether present or absent, that we be well-pleasing to him. We make it our aim. Come on, somebody, what are you aiming for? What are you aiming for? I want a better job. So after you get the better job, what happens next? See, our, our aim is short. Hello, our aim is short. I want to raise. Really? Oh, great. I want to rise. I want to aim for heaven. Let me tell you something. If you don't hit heaven, you're going to hit hell. You need to aim for heaven. There's no, uh, you know, shoot for the, the moon because if, if not, you'll fall on some stars. Listen, forget about shooting the moon. I want heaven. Because the ones that land on the moon, they're dead. You've heard that before, right? Shoot for the moon. That way, whatever you happens, you fall on some stars. Let me tell you, I'm going to shoot for heaven, and, and I'm going to shoot all the way to heaven, and I'm going to heaven. Plan B is hell. Laugh all you want, but plan B is hell. There is no, oh, you know, purgatory. I'm going to go straight to the middle ground. You laugh, but people believe that. And someone's going to pray me out of this. Abraham's bosom's closed. Jesus went to the lowest parts of the death. He closed Abraham's bosom. He took the saints. He took them with them to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. There ain't no place called the, you know, uh, the middle ground. Listen, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. Let me tell you something right now. I love you enough to tell you to go to heaven because one day you're going to die. And just like Jesus told Peter, Peter, it's great. You're going to do this. You're going to feed my sheep. You're going to tend my lambs. But guess what, Peter? They're going to stretch out your hands and they're going to kill you. And you're not going to be able to say, I don't know you anymore, Peter. I'm going to close real quick. John chapter 21. I'm going to end it real quick. This is what Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you. No. I'm sorry. John chapter 14. Did I give it to you? Verse 1. He says, let your heart not be troubled. Listen, now some of you, now all of a sudden I told you you're going to die. You got all like, oh, my God. Right? Anybody? My neighbor's going to die. I'm going to die. Are you serious? Yes. It happens. But let not your heart be troubled. If you are a born-again believer, you don't have to be troubled. I said, if you are a born-again believer, you don't have to be troubled. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. There's no longer a tent but a mansion. There's no longer a tent. He was talking about tents. He was saying, I must take off this tent, this tent, this tent, this tent. Listen, there's no longer a tent but a mansion. I want a body where I don't have to run five miles. So I say, amen. I want a body. I want some hair back. Come on, somebody. 
I don't want to wear contacts all my life. But even beyond the physical appearance, I don't want to cry when I see someone hurt anymore. And I don't want to have sorrow and I don't want to sin. I want to go to a place where there's no sin. I want to go to a place where there's no crying. I want to go to a place where there's no sorrow. I want to go to that place where God's building for me. I want to aim for my mansion. We settle for tents when God promises mansions. We settle for nonsense. Oh, that's what I deserve. No, you don't. You're a son of a king. You deserve a mansion. Now, when I used to hear this word mansion, mansion, my God, I'm going to get this big mansion. I hope it's like that one I seen right there by, you know, by over there by Mission Viejo is overlooking the, the, I wish I was like, man, I can't wait to get that mansion. No, we're not just speaking about a physical place to stay, church. We're talking about a physical body to live in. Let me tell you something. What's more important, the, the, the body that Jesus went through walls or a physical building? Give me the phys- give me the body like Jesus. I want to go through some walls. I want to go visit some loved ones. I want to see my mom again. I know where she's at. Because she didn't just talk the talk, she walked the talk. I want to go where she's at. I want to I want to see Jesus, first of all. I want to thank him for, for dying for me. I want to thank him for loving me. I want to thank him for never leaving me and forsaking me. I want to thank him because he's the only one that never rejected me. Then I want to question some people like Moses. Why did you do that? And Paul, what's your problem sometimes? Paul, do you got some time? No, I don't. I'm going to only be here for a billion, a billion years. Yeah, we got a little bit of time. So what do you have? Never mind, I'm going to talk to my mom. Peter, why did you? It's going to happen, church. Nobody wants to talk about it. You want to wait till a funeral to give a funeral message. But I want to speak life into you so you could have heaven later. This is what he says. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If not, we're not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that special? How long did it take him to make man? Not how many days before he made man. How long did it take him to before he? How long did it take him to make man? Anybody know? Huh? He breathed on right. He took dust and he breathed life in him. And he goes, "There's Adam," and Adam had a perfect body. I know what you're thinking, women. Stop. A perfect body, a 100% mind capacity. He could name animals. He wasn't dumb. He didn't need Google. He knew it all. And he was strong. And he was a man. And God breathed on him and created him and made him in just seconds. But yet he's gone for 2,000 years and he's preparing a place for me. What is that going to look like? Oh, life is hard. Life is hard. Life. This is the closest to hell that you'll ever see. This is the closest to hell that you'll ever be next to. Because where we're about to go... Only his children can go. We're going to go on this paradise vacation with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. He's going to look and say, you're my son. You get to go. You get to go. You get to go. And you know what the only answer is? That's all you got to do is believe in me. That's all. I didn't ask you for anything else. I asked you to believe in me. For those who believe in me will have eternal life. For those who don't, 
return to damnation. I didn't come to, I didn't send his, he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world can live through him. And this is what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Why am I still alive and my friends died? It's not your time. Why am I still alive and the people that I was in the car with, they're no longer with me? It's not your time. Why did I beat cancer and -and so-and-so didn't? Because it's not your time. And thank God it's not your time because you have some work to do. You have some fumigation to do. Come on, somebody. There's some termites that need, because God's about to buy this house, and he's not going to buy it if it's worthless. He's only going to buy the houses that have been purchased by his blood, that have been sealed and stamped. Therefore, you may be also. And where I go, and the way you know. Keep going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going And how can we know the way? And the scripture here, I can almost 100% guarantee every Christian probably heard the scripture at least 75 times, maybe more. Some of you know it. Some of you claimed it. Some of you, you know, maybe even have it written down somewhere. But this is what Jesus says. Jesus says this. I want us to read together. Ready? And Jesus said to him, go. I am then why are you trying a different way? Why are you trying a different way? Why are you trying the way that Pastor so-and-so said? Why are you trying the way of the new philosophers are saying? Or some teacher, theologian said? Why are you following the ways of even yourself says? Or even yet, why are you following the way of Simon says? Rather than what Jesus says. Simon never said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. He says, I remind you to follow him. And let me tell you something right now. I could care less what anybody says in this world. If Jesus says it, I believe it. He says, I am the way, the only way. I am the truth. You want to know the truth? I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And no man, no man, no woman, no child, nobody comes to me. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And the only way they're going to go through me is by sealed with the Holy Spirit and by covered with my blood. How many people are ready, ready to exchange? What do you mean exchange? God wants to make an exchange. Your tent... For this mansion. I don't know. You know, I've been been with this tent. It's valuable. As more hair falls off. As your knee starts to buckle. How many of you be willing to exchange this tent for a mansion? Well, he wants your heart. He he, he doesn't need your body. You know why he doesn't need your body? Because he's preparing a new one. A mansion. But what he wants from you, that what he's going to place into that mansion, the only thing that you need to bring to the party, hello, the only thing you need to bring to your own house party, the only thing that you is required is your heart. Because the Bible says many confess me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. 
You are my bride. You belong to me. Why are you sleeping around? Why are you messing around? Why are you doing things that you know that are going to try to disqualify you? You're my precious bride I paid for. I know you don't believe in arranged marriages, but my dad does. And he arranged this years ago. He called you even before you were in your mother's womb and he says, you are mine. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. This tent for this mansion. Beauty for ashes. Love for hate. I don't want to have pain anymore and sorrow no more. I want to go to a place where Jesus, God is going to wipe away my tears. And there's not going to be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. And guess what? I know you guys don't like this, but the Bible says that he's going to drink wine with us. I hate wine. Ooh, you haven't tasted this one. You haven't tasted this one. This one doesn't pervert you. It doesn't cause you to go astray. It makes you look at your bride. It makes you look at your groom. And it makes you look at your wedding. And you look at it and you say, my God, this was worth it. I cannot wait for that day where I close my eyes and I'm in the presence of the Almighty. very simple. Today's altar call is very simple. Today we're going to make that exchange. Your tent for this mansion. And if you want that exchange, what you're saying is, I believe that there's only one way to get this mansion and that's through Jesus Christ and I believe it. Even if it costs me friends, even if it costs me family, even if it costs me my job, whatever it takes, I'm going to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. Because I love you enough to tell you this, that you're going to die. But through Jesus Christ, you'll live again. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed. I just don't want you to stand because that's the right thing to do. I want you to stand up and say, you know what? This is, the, this is my payment back to you, Jesus. Here's my heart. And as the worship begins to start, and if that's you, and you say, you know what? I want to go to heaven. I want to exchange beauty for ashes, love for hate. This tent for this mansion. The reason why I'm still alive is because it's not my time yet. 